Good morning. Welcome to Sabbath School with Spencerville Church at Spencerville Church. And I'm here once again with my friend Frank Hazel. And we are glad to be with you. We're studying today lesson six of the Sabbath School quarterly. Uh, as long as we are in this COVID 19 social distancing order, we will continue to be coming to you with these. These are all pre recorded, so. Just so you know, uh, don't try to call in and talk to us live or anything like that. These are all pre-recorded, but we're glad to be able to bring them to you, and I pray that they've been a blessing to you. As I tell you every week, we want to make sure that this is not replacing your personal study time, but that you are just using this as a uh, maybe further insights on on particular issues related to the lesson. Challenge yourself to study the Word and to think about these things and, and, and as, as we do through this, this whole process. Uh, I want to remind some of you, because even though we're now to Lesson 6, there's still seven more lessons to go. Mm. Uh, Frank, uh, can I pull this book sure. up right here? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's, your, that's your book. Oh, that's the book I'm looking for. I won't lose your spot there. Uh, there's a companion book, How to Interpret Scripture. You can get this on Amazon. Uh, dot com, how to interpret scripture. And the ABC, really. Amazon is out of print. You can oh. get a Kindle version right now. But, okay. Um, Amazon's out of print. So go to the Adventist Book Center. Uh, I don't know. I think they're AdventistBookCenter.org yes. is what their website is. And so go there and you can get the how to interpret scripture. And there's, there's things in this book that, that go into more depth than what the lesson does, including what the teacher's lessons does and more in-depth than what we have the time to do. So, so go into that, and uh, I'm, I'm holding his spot because we're going to talk about some things there. Right. And just while I'm at it, I'll mention uh, Frank's book, Living for God. If you're a member at Spencerville Church, you're going to get this book because I'm going to give it to you because uh, Reclaiming the Joy of Christian Virtue. I read it, and I loved it, and I love the honesty of it. But if you're not a member of Spencerville Church, I won't be sending you one of these, and so I would encourage you to go online to Amazon and to buy this, or to the Adventist Book Center and to buy this. Um, he also wrote another one. He did a, uh, I'd call it a prayer Bible study journal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what was that entitled? Longing for God. Longing for God. Uh, and that came out of his own experience of loss of his wife and just that struggle, uh, and, and uh, there's only one place to go in crisis, and that's yes. to our Savior. Mm. And that longing for God, uh, we gave that away a few years ago at our church, and people just really loved it. And I know some people who are now recycling it and, and mm-hmm. bought another one to use mm-hmm. it again. So, so thank you for that. But you can get all those there. Now we're going to turn to Lesson 6 uh, of our quarterly. And before we do that, though, Frank, why don't you pray so God will guide our conversation. Dear Jesus, we want to think today about why we need interpretation, and we need your help for that. Mm-hmm. And so guide our thinking, guide our discussion and thoughts, and help us to um, grasp uh, the factors that play a role when we come to the Bible that shape our thinking and how we can best do um, approach your word in such a way that we will not distort it. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin with a scripture text, Luke 24, and we're going to go to Luke 24, and we're probably going to begin in verse 44, but I want to set this up 
for you. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected Mm -hmm. from the grave. Uh, A few weeks ago, we had Easter, so this is what we celebrate all of this. Jesus died. He's been resurrected from the grave. And he appears to the disciples. And, but they're confused. Mm. Which is so interesting because you think that after they had spent all this time with him and after he had shared so many things with them, that, that they would have sound interpretation of yes. all that is happening in the moment and the, and the scriptures and everything else. There was and, hope. And yet, <laughs> we see clearly that that's not the case. Why don't you start, Frank, and why don't you read in Luke 24, verses uh, 44, and, and go down from there. Yes, Luke 24, 44, and following. Yep. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed and so forth. So the fact that he had to open their minds shows that they had a wrong interpretation even post-resurrection yes. See that, that, of the Scriptures. That, that to me is an illustration, a biblical illustration, why interpretation is needed. Yeah. Here were the disciples. They had the privilege to actually listen to Jesus speak. They had the, the joy of seeing him and being with him. And they read the scriptures. And yet, their understanding of what should take place and what happened was so clouded that they did not understand clear passages from scripture. And Jesus had to open their minds and to explain the true meaning of the Bible because they had preconceived opinions of what should take place and how the Messiah should be and and what he would do. And that just um, was so strong. Can I correct something you said? Sure. You said, this is why interpretation is so important. It's why right interpretation is so important. Yes. Because everybody, right? Everybody interprets Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were interpreting, but they were interpreting wrong. Yeah. So we're talking about right interpretation. Yeah. Break that down. With, With interpretation, there's this word now being thrown around. Hermeneutic. Uh, there's this word hermeneutic, yeah. And, you know. and, and this is related to interpretation, and people will say you have a right hermeneutic or a wrong hermeneutic. And unpack that, because we, we not only want people to interpret Scripture, because everybody does, we want them to interpret it correctly. Yes. And this is based on your hermeneutics. So you, go ahead. You, you don't need to... <laughs> you don't need to um, to use the word hermeneutics, okay? <laughs> I mean, that sounds uh, as a strange word. What does the word mean, actually? Hermeneutic is actually um, the art and practice of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So that's what hermeneutic. Where does the word come from? It's a Greek word. It comes actually from the Greek god Hermes. Which is funny. And Hermes was a messenger god mm-hmm. who delivered messages from the gods to the people. And there is even a passage in the, in the, in the book of Acts where Paul is addressed as Hermes 
by the people who listen to him. Because, because he's delivering a message. Because he's delivering the message, and they thought, oh, he is one of these divine beings who mm -hmm. delivers a message. So that's where hermeneutics got his name from. You have uh, here in the passage in Luke that we just read, where he opened up um, uh, the meaning uh, in verse uh, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, mm -hmm. he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here you have the Greek word dehermeneo, where the word hermeneutics is mm -hmm. used. So mm -hmm. Jesus himself uses that to explain, to interpret the true meaning of scripture. So what, what does hermeneutic mean? It means how to interpret the Bible properly. That's, that's all it that's is. That's all it means. So when next time you're sitting in a Sabbath school class and you have, that, you have that person in there that goes, well, we need to have right hermeneutics. Yeah. You know, all he's saying is we need to interpret Scripture rightly. That's and right. everyone can nod and agree. Yes. So now let's talk about how do we interpret Scripture correctly. <laughs> okay. Because that's, that's, the, that's then the challenge because we all yes. are challenged by this. The, yes. the disciples here did not understand what was going on with Jesus as he was walking with them they were, because their interpretation of Scripture was wrong. Yeah. They had presuppositions about who Jesus was and what he was supposed to do. Yeah, see, the challenge that we face in the interpretation of the Bible is that none of us comes to the Bible with a blank mind. Mm -hmm with a clean sheet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have our education. We all have our upbringing. We all are reared in a certain culture. The family uh, shapes uh, the way you think, uh, the people, the classroom, uh, the, your friends, mm -hmm. the society at large. Media. All, media, YouTube, you know, whatever it is. And, and that all influences the way we think. Mm -hmm. Now, some some of the things that influence us uh, are correct. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things we bring to Scripture is correct. But not everything that, that impacts our thinking is necessarily correct mm -hmm. and needs to be redeemed, so mm -hmm. to speak, and, uh, and uh, changed, perhaps, even uh, by what Scripture says. So um, we bring our personal experience. We bring um, our particular history to the reading of the Bible. And that is the challenge. It was the challenge with the disciples in Jesus' times. It's the challenge today. Let, let me illustrate. Okay. Let's, let's assume, let's suppose um, you have, we all have a father, but let's, let's suppose your father has been um, a harsh person, mm -hmm. perhaps even abusing mm -hmm. person. And now you read about um, in the Bible that God is our father. Yeah. Now, how does your experience of your earthly father shape your understanding of the heavenly father? It's tainted. It's tainted. And, and every time I hear then a thing about God being harsh, I say, yep, see, that's just how father exactly. is. And so we need, to, um, we need to learn from Scripture that even though my experience and my understanding of certain things might have been negative, mm -hmm. this is not necessarily the meaning that the Bible attaches to certain mm -hmm. terms and, and, and concepts. And we need to uh, uncover the, the true biblical meaning of what it means that God is our Father. And really the only way to have true and correct interpretation is through divine guidance. 
Yes. That's what, that's what John tells, right? When Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into... Yeah, all truth. All truth, right? Yeah, and, and actually, once we do that, and we are open to the divine guidance, and yes, we need the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to help us understand the words that he has inspired mm-hmm. and the thoughts of, of the people. Um, once... Once we are in that process, I think we'll have the same experience that the disciples had when when they were talking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Because it says, you know, yeah, that's a great line. they said to each other in verse uh, 32, this is all in chapter 24 in Luke, mm-hmm. uh, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Yeah. Now, if there is ever a sermon that I would have loved to hear from the mouth of Jesus, this is where I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. On that road with him, explaining What was from, he saying that was making him what, burn inside? What, how, what references in the Old Testament did he use to yeah, make yeah, it plain yeah. that he is the Messiah? So I would have loved to hear that. He wanted us to study for ourselves to be able to, yeah, <laughs> to probably, learn, yes, learn yeah. that out so we didn't get yeah. that. No, that's so true that there's, there's a... a sense of the truth when it really is coming through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even, even if uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? Mm-hmm. When Jesus is teaching and they say he taught as one with knowledge, yeah. right? Yeah. With understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So when Jesus taught, there was, there, was, there was a, you didn't have to try to convince people once they realized it was truth. There wasn't like, yeah. well, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and re-examine that. Right? Now, there, there's another beautiful idea that sometimes is overlooked. While our background is so diverse and different, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we come from different cultures and different settings to the Bible, there is something beautiful about the Word of God because the same Holy Spirit leads all of us to the Scriptures and also opens up, uh, even though we come from vastly different backgrounds, opens up uh, our understanding of the word. And so in the Bible, you have Gentiles, you have Greek people, you have Jews. I mean, uh, it could not be more diverse Mm -hmm. than that, you know? And yet, they hear the words, and they understand, and they are led to understanding, and to even a unity yeah. that, that, that never was, was happening before. So that's the beauty. And I think if, if anyone can accomplish, it's only the Holy Spirit, you know, leading us. In some ways, it's, it's the interpretation of scriptures that led to that truth that we love to quote, there is now nor, no male nor female nor slave nor free nor, nor Jew nor Gentile, but all were one. Really... It was the, the interpretation that they all could fall under one banner. Yes, yes. The, the women, the men, the slave, the free, the Gentile, uh, the Jew, they all came to the same interpretation that they could mm-hmm. fall under, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in many ways. In many ways. We like to use that for all kinds of social yes, things, but, yes, but it really yes. is, is an affirmation yes. of right interpretation. Yes, because we have division within our communities of yeah. faith. This one is Adventism and even larger Protestantism and even larger Christianity yes. because of 
a disunity on the interpretation of Scripture. And you will never achieve that unity by organizational administrative measures. It can only grow from the Word yeah. and out of the Word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit to the Word. And, and people of different ilks coming together and staying yes, together yes, to grow yes, together yeah. in the Word. Yeah. Let's go to translation and interpretation on Monday because last week, Frank, you made a strong appeal for us to have a, a class or some sort of gathering to understand the original languages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in this one, you have translation and interpretation. And, and you guys write, but as any good translator knows, every translation always involves some kind of interpretation. Some words in one language do not have an exact equivalent, equivalent in another. The art and careful skill of the, the art and skill of carefully translate, translating and then interpreting text is called hermeneutics. Mm. But this has to do then with that whole idea of, of accessing in some way to the best we can the languages of the past. Yes. And I, I, would, I would strongly uh, support that idea. If you, if you have a chance to learn the original languages, by all means, do it. You will be blessed. Uh, and uh, you don't have to be an expert in that. You don't have to be able to talk those languages. And you don't have to talk that. And uh, I'm a learner myself, so I'm, 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 we're not claiming perfection in this. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if, if, if you want to know um, the message that God has given us in this book, then why shouldn't we be um, skillful in mastering and knowing and learning uh, the original languages in, in, in which the Bible was written in Hebrew and in Greek. One that people have heard of so often, but is a good example, is the word love. Mm -hmm. And when you read your English Bibles, it always says love. Mm -hmm. But when you read it in the Greek, it's different. They are, they are different, different terms. And you get nuances to it that you would not get yes. just yeah. reading in the English. And, and that's just one example of, of that people are familiar with, but there's so many more. Oh, so many more. I mean, sometimes we are wondering, you know, what, what does this, this text really mean? And because it's a translation, we are used to that translation, and, and we think that's the only way that that could be understood that way. But, but if, you, if, if you study it from, from the original languages, it opens up a window to help you better understand some of the nuances. Sometimes it's, it's little, you know, in the, in the Greek, let's say, for instance, in the Greek you have different, uh, f uh, the, the verbs have different forms of time, you know, it, it could be described in the past, it could be described as a continuous action yeah. uh, that continues up into the present, it could be described as a future thing. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes in, in the language that, that you read, uh, these little nuances are not as visible, mm -hmm. and therefore um, you lose out on some of the beauty of the yeah. biblical text. Now let's say this. Even though we just said that because we both have studied the languages and we appreciate them. Let's say this, though. You can live your life never learning Greek or Hebrew. Yes. And access the Word of God and interpret yes. the Word of God and have the foundation for your salvation. Yes. And all I'm saying is don't, don't be intimidated by yes. not knowing Greek or Hebrew. Yeah. If you just go by your... English Bible or whatever language you prefer to read it yeah. in, read it. Read it. It will always be a blessing. That's, that's the key. 
But there is a value to growing. Sometimes we, we accept where we're at. Mm-hmm. And we should, we should always want to grow. Oh, yes, yeah. And, and keep growing. So. Um, so we're talking about translation and the importance of interpretation. I want to jump all the way to Wednesday. Okay. Because there was something that um, was so powerful to me. <laughs> Our sinful and fallen nature can lead us to teach truth, to teach error while still teaching truth. Mm-hmm. Let me say it like that. Let's go to uh, John 9. There. Thirty-nine and forty-one. Uh, Thirty-nine through forty-one. And why don't you read that for us, Frank? John nine, thirty-nine. Jesus said, "For judgment I came into this world, that those who do see may see, and those who may who see may become blind." Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, "Are we also blind?" Jesus said to them, "If you were blind." you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Talking to the leaders here, Mm -hmm. uh, that really even though they saw truth, they probably understood the scriptures better than anyone. They even had more right interpretation than anyone. I mean, we would say that at that time in history, we would say the Jews were the remnant, and that they had the remnant message, right? Mm. And, now, you know, and yet they were blind. And yet they were blind. Now, this is written in John. This is John 9. Now, if you read the Gospel of John from beginning to end, you'll find it's amazing how, how John describes the events in the life of Jesus and how he gives them one evidence after the other that he is the Messiah, that he can do miracles, that he is able to save, that he is able to heal. Mm-hmm. And anybody, everybody could see it. Yeah. They had the evidence. And yet, the irony of this, uh, that what the, they Pharise- were teaching, the they... Pharisees, who are the most knowledgeable of the scriptures, refuse to see and accept that Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah. That is the, the, the big irony here. Uh, it was all based on interpretation. And it's all based on interpretation. It's, it's not just interpretation. It's also, it, there is something, you know, that uh, we, we sometimes rarely talk about, and that has to do with our sinfulness mm-hmm. and our sinful nature. Sometimes we, we blame the difficulties in our understanding of Scripture. Oh, come on. Now you're going to preach. Now with, you're going to meddle. With, uh, <laughs> we blame it on the Bible, and we say, oh, it's so complicated. It's oh. so you know, difficult to understand. And yes, some things are a challenge. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it seems to me that the greater challenge is not that the text is not clear, yeah. but that, I, uh, that my understanding is, is darkened you know, through sin. I don't want to believe it. And I don't want to believe it. I don't want to follow it. And sometimes I get the impression the most difficult texts are not those texts that I don't understand, 
but are the very texts that I clearly understand, but I'm not willing to follow. Oh, yeah, that's hard. <laughs> it's, that's, uh, I wrote down in here, humility in the margin. I wrote humility because it talks about a prideful person. And, and here's, here's one of the things that the statements that you all wrote that, that just challenged me. Pride leads the interpreter to overemphasize human reason in the final, as the final arbiter of truth, even truths found in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So someone can be teaching truth again, but they do it in such a way that they make themselves the human agent, the final authority, and thus uh, undermining the true interpretation of Scripture. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's a challenging word. And, and this humility and pride issue, I think, is, um, is something we all struggle with. And we, are, we need God's help. And there is something that I would like to read uh, from the companion book, because that is something that is not found in the, in the lesson. Good, but there's an it. additional thought on this very issue of pride and, and humility. In interpreting and, uh, scripture. And interpreting scripture. And uh, this is on page 56 here in the companion book. Uh, and, and here I, we write, um, The quest for truth requires great humility because human nature naturally defaults to self-confidence. Hmm. This self-confidence or pride is a corrupting influence on the interpreter because it encourages us to think that we have got the correct meaning before we have made the appropriate effort to recover it. Mm. Pride typically does not wait to listen. Pride knows. Mm. Pride elevates the reader's opinion above the word of God, and in a bewildering twist, it is possible to take pride in one's skepticism as well as in one's certainty. Mm. Pride at its ugliest, leads not to humility, but to humiliation and ridiculing even the biblical text. Yeah. Now that is the challenge that we sometimes face, you know, and, uh, and therefore I think that the sin of pride is the most difficult one, and we are all affected by it, uh, because if you're proud, you don't need to learn. Yeah. And how can you grow in understanding if, if you know it all? Well, well, what you said there is so great, though, that like one of those lines, we take pride in our skepticism. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like people take pride in saying there's so many interpretations who can know. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this, this pride attitude diminishes the divine authority of Scripture. It does. So, so if you teach truth, but you teach it in such a way that you're also undermining it, you're beginning to hurt people's ability to interpret Scripture. Yeah. And you elevate yourself yeah. to become the norm of uh, knowing what is right and wrong. Um, let's go to Thursday. Hmm. Uh, if we are people of the book who want to live by the book and the Bible alone, or the by the Bible and the Bible alone, and we do not have other authoritative sources such as tradition, creeds, or the teaching authority of the church to interpret the Bible for us, then the issue of a correct hermeneutic of the Bible is so important because we have only the Bible to tell us what we shall believe and how we shall live. Yes, 
say this this is this is really true. And I real. think that's ideal. Yeah. It's true. How do we get there? You were about to say something, I apologize, but Well, no, no. Well, I wanted to say, see, if um that is the difference between uh, us Protestants and, let's say, a Roman Catholic believer. Yeah. Because for the Roman Catholic, you always have tradition yeah. that you can fall back on and that will help you to interpret the scriptures. Yeah. But if we don't have tradition yeah. as our final norm to interpret the scriptures, we don't have the teaching magisterium of the church, then we need to have the, the correct... Uh, and I think that's why the issue of biblical interpretation is so hotly debated. Yeah. Because this is the watershed uh, of, of, of our church. Is it because it's dangerous and we're scared? Is, I, is there an aspect of that, Frank? Like that, 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 yeah, I, that I, I we would, as a church encourage interpretation, yet we're scared kind of because what if someone interprets something wrong? Well, I, w I wouldn't say it that way. I wouldn't say that it's dangerous. Uh, of course, there's a certain... I don't, uh, Understand what I'm saying, dangerous. I think it's a good thing. I'm saying that, like, do we see it as dangerous? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that, that we see it as dangerous. I think it's a blessing if we are able to interpret the Bible. And, and uh, the danger comes when the individual person takes himself or herself so important yeah, yeah, yeah. That he or she thinks that only she has new light. Yeah. And everybody has to follow that particular line of interpretation. Yeah. That is where interpretation becomes dangerous. We're going to come to a quote at the end that I want you to read on that. All right. But let me pause. Let's, let's take that thought right there yes. and pause it just for a second. Because I think that because we're we're getting more and more skepticism within somewhat of the church mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and more and more alternating interpretation, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, theistic evolution, mm -hmm. uh, you know, human sexuality, all kinds of interpretation. Well, the Bible didn't really mean that or the Bible, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, that no longer, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. That it's taken us off mission. Mm-hmm. And you guys say at the end of Thursday, if we have a message to give the world but are confused about the meaning of the message, how efficiently will we be able to present that message to those who need to hear it? Mm -hmm. We have here in North America, I'm sure in much of the Western world, we have a number of folk that say, man, why isn't the church growing anymore? Mm -hmm. Why isn't the church doing this? Mm -hmm. Then we look at places, say, South America, Brazil, you know, mm -hmm. I've been down there. You have too, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. We've met with these people. They're not having arguments as much about our theology in mm -hmm. some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're about mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I correct in this? I mean, are, do you think it's, it's our, our, lack, our struggles with interpretation are undermining our effectiveness as missionaries in the Western culture? I think there's a danger in that, yes. Uh, it, it certainly affects how we relate and do not relate some, some of the things. You know, if, if you're not sure about what to believe and if, if there's no certainty in, 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 in what the Bible says, then uh, why should I share that with others? Why should I invite them 
uh, to become uh, followers of Christ, if I'm not sure that he is the savior of the world, if, if I'm not sure that the Sabbath is really the day of rest that God instituted. If I'm not sure about remnant, why would I invite anybody remnant. to be part of this church? Or? Yes, uh, why, why should I put anybody, um, put his income and, and life on the line observing the Sabbath if yeah. I'm not sure that yeah. this is God's day? So you need to have convictions. You need to you be certain that, the, the, that what you believe is really biblically true and, and valid. And, and if you have uh, fundamental questions on that, it will affect the way uh, you, you do mission and outreach, etc. So in that sense, I would say, yes, there is something to the point uh, that you've pointed out. And, and maybe here in, in the Western world, <laughs> we are more affected by some of these skepticism and uh, critical ideas than people in some other parts of the world. And I'm not saying that they don't have their issues but too. Exactly, and this is the point, you know. They face different challenges that also have to do with interpretation. Let's say, you know, let's say you live in Africa, for that matter, mm -hmm. where the church grows very strongly. Mm -hmm. Now, grow, grow, grow is, is one thing, you know, but we, we also need to have substance. Yeah, and it's yeah. not just, uh, salvation is not just in the numbers. Yeah, yeah. We need to, to educate the people so that they really understand the worldview and, and the biblical framework of thinking. If, if they don't understand, then they will just repeat phrases from the Bible. But when it comes, um, when tough times come and uh, your prayers are not answered, let's say you, you get sick, you know, and you pray for healing and, uh, and uh, nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. So where do you turn? Well, you go to... What you knew before. You go to what you're used before. You go to Animism. To, to to the witch in the in the in the village yeah. who can heal, and who has access to mediums yeah. and to the ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Even though the Bible is very clear that this cannot be because yeah, yeah. they sleep, you know, you fall back to your own worldview and thinking, mm. and you have not really uh, understood. Uh, everything that the Bible tells us. And here we have to learn, and it's not just with the people in, in Africa. You know, we face the same yeah, things yeah, yeah. Uh, in our culture, in our setting, yeah. in, a, in, in different areas. We have economic struggles right now. We may fall back to <laughs> our dependence upon money. Yeah, that's rather right, than our, that's right. Yeah, so just different things. So what I hear you saying is that mission is affected both ways. One, you can grow, but that growth is not really healthy if the interpretation is right. Mm. You can stunt growth by not having right interpretation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a both and. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so right interpretation can have you have growth, but healthy growth. Yes. And that's what we really want to yes. get to. Yeah. We don't want to just be a growing church without substance. We want to be... And it's, it's not just intellectual growth. It's not just a knowledge growth uh, that we are seeking. The growth that we are actually seeking is... Um, is uh, call it sanctification, is, is uh, a change of character, yeah, it's a change it. of that's, life, that's exactly a, right. a change of lifestyle. Yeah. Right interpretation of scripture doesn't just give me head knowledge, it changes my life. Yes. Right? Yes. Now let's go to the final quote that, I, that we both want to read. All right. You're going to read it though. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's a challenging quote. Ellen White, message young people, page 260. Uh, yes, 
but it's a beautiful quote. It's a, oh, oh, it's a great quote. I just, I just didn't realize it was for messages to young people right now. And I, you know how you said we all approach things with something? Yes, yeah, I yeah. made the mistake of having one of the first books I ever read from Ellen White was Messages to Young People. And oh. I don't think I picked up another Ellen White book for like a couple of years. So, <laughs> so I just, all of a sudden that just struck me in that moment. Like I just, okay. uh, we all well, come with our, with our, our beauty bias, after with all. <laughs> we all come with our biases mm-hmm. on those things. It just, that just mm-hmm. struck me. Mm-hmm. I love Ellen White. Mm-hmm. Read, read all you can. But yeah. I'd start with uh, Steps to Christ and Desire of Ages if you yeah. haven't read anything of hers before. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and read this wonderful. Well, let's, let's read that. It's, it's taken from uh, the book Messages to Young People, 260, and um, it, it shows that she was truly knowledgeable of the issues that we're talking mm-hmm. about, and, um, and I, uh, I like the way she addresses that. She says, in your study of the Word, she's talking about the Word of God, in your study of the Word, lay at the door of investigation your preconceived opinions Mm -hmm. and your hereditary and cultivated ideas. You will never reach the truth if you study the scriptures to vindicate your own ideas. Let's pause right there. That's a difficult word. It's a strong statement, but I think she is right on target. Oh, she is. She's absolutely right on target. But the difficulty is, is that so many of us hear something we don't like, and so we go to the scriptures to prove our own opinion, our own opinion, yes, yes, and our own ideas. Yeah. So let's just admit that we do that, we and say we should not be doing that. Yes, repent of that. We will not. <laughs> if we if we are approaching the Bible in that way, just know your interpretation is going to come up short. Yes, and know that the conclusion will not be truth. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So um, you will never reach the truth if you study the scriptures to vindicate your own ideas. Leave these at the door. And with a contrite heart, go in to hear what the Lord has to say to you. As the humble seeker for mm-hmm. truth sits at Christ's feet and learns of him, the word gives him understanding to those who are too wise in their own conceit to study the Bible. Christ says, you must become meek and lowly in heart if you desire to become wise unto salvation. And then now, this next section. The next section is, is so important. She says, do not read the word in the light of your former opinions, but with a mind free from prejudice, search it carefully and prayerfully. If, as you read, conviction comes, and you see that your cherished opinions are not in harmony with the word, do not try to make the word fit these opinions. Make your opinions fit the word. And that's the big challenge right now in our society. And in our church. In our church. And for us individually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so hard to not try to make something fit our own opinions. It, it, it reminds me of a little story that I once read about um, Adolf Schlatter. He was a famous New Testament scholar at the University of Tübingen in Germany. And he was once approached uh, by some of his students and and, uh, friends and um, challenged to stand on the the foundation of the word, to Mm -hmm. stand on the word. And he says, no, I'm not standing on the word. I will stand under the word. Mm. Because we have to acknowledge that it's not just using the Bible to vindicate our ideas, but our willingness to live by the Bible. And if, if you study and you come to the conviction, oh, 
then do not try to fit the Bible to make the Bible fit your ideas, but make your ideas accommodate to the Bible and, and follow the Bible. I think that's the beauty of Ellen White here. Finish the quote for us, sir. So, um, <clears throat> make your opinions fit the word. Make your opinions fit the word. Do not allow what you have believed or practiced in the past to control your understanding. Mm -hmm. Open the eyes of your mind to behold wondrous things out of the law. Find out what is written and then plant your feet on the eternal rock. That's good counsel. Yep. That's very good counsel. I'm, uh, I'm challenged by that. I'm challenged by that in my own life, and I'm challenged by that in, in our society. And it's very easy for me to say, that person doesn't do that in this area, but I have to recognize that I have to be humble enough. Because, again, this, this whole message about interpreting Scripture, when I read it all the way through, I wrote difficult, tough, humble, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a struggle because I'm reminded that even though I like to think of myself as knowing right and wrong and all these things, that, that, that I'm still like those disciples who, who yes. need to have my mind yes. opened. And you're absolutely right. And it is a challenge and it's difficult and it's tough, but there's also hope. Yeah. And the hope is that we are promised that we are not left alone yeah, yeah. in this process. And thank God, and I mean it, he has sent the Holy Spirit Amen. to guide us. The Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to the Word of God. Yeah. He will never lead us to abolish the Word of God. Yeah. He will never supersede the Word. He will always lead us to the Word into that all he truth. inspired and yeah. it, into all truth. And then amazing things can happen. Yeah. And so, so that, uh, and, and that the, hope I still have. And the key is because he's going to lead us. The Holy Spirit is always going to interpret the scripture through the scripture. Yes. Not through our lives. Yes. And that's so important. You know, uh, I, I just read a tweet today mm -hmm. by Mark Dever. He's a Baptist pastor. And he said, he said, uh, people say they want to hear from the Lord. Or they want to hear an audible word from the Lord. Yeah. He said, well, then read the Bible out loud. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Bible does speak to us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. speaks through this yes, word yes, to us. And, yes. uh, and that's so, so important. And, and uh, why don't you pray for us to have humility as we approach and try to, sure. as we approach Scripture. And, and then God will give us all humility, myself, yourself, and, and all those who are watching this to be willing to forsake our past ways, our past opinions, and allow the Spirit to dictate and the, and the Word of God to dictate yes, yes. Uh, how we think. Yeah, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us into your Word. And we have touched on things that are really a challenge to all of us, if we are honest. And we want to confess to you that uh, often we've taken our own interpretation and our own views of things yes, perhaps yes. more important than, uh, than actually what your word says. Mm. And we, we, we ask for your forgiveness for Amen. that. And we ask that you will cleanse our hearts and minds and open them to the beauty of your word and that we can embrace it and that we can follow it and practice it, mm -hmm. and that your spirit can lead us into all truth. Mm -hmm. And not just us, 
but everyone who wants to follow your word. Yes, Jesus. And so we ask that you will, um, will claim the promise and ask you that you will guide us personally and as a church and every believer into the truth so mm -hmm. that the truth can set us free and yes, we can Jesus. follow your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Frank. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for watching again. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Next week. Uh, we don't think this is going away for a while. So uh, <laughs> next week we'll be doing lesson seven, yes. right? That was six. So le next week we do lesson seven, and we hope that you'll join us. And again, take time this week to study the lesson for yourself and be blessed as you open the Word of God and just discover how beautiful it is and how enriching, enriched your life can be as you allow it to direct you. Yes. God bless.